Everybody, Anne Louise Gittleman here, your hostess for the First Lady of Nutrition podcast. And today we have a very exciting episode. It's all about unsafe at any meal, what the FDA does not want you to know about the foods you eat. And I have with me an FDA scientist, a former FDA scientist, Dr. Renee Dufault, who's going to share with us some of her groundbreaking research and how she's continuing to shed a light on the unsafety of food at any cost. Dr. Dufault, welcome. Thank you. I appreciate your having me on your show, Louise. Thank you so much. You're entirely welcome. So tell us the story. You were working at the FDA. When was this? How many years ago? Can you set the scene for my listeners? Sure. Uh, I went to the FDA in about 1999, and I had been doing cleanup work for the Environmental Protection Agency, so I transferred to FDA to start doing cleanup work for them. And so my primary job was to decommission uh, laboratories and address the contaminants of concern in the buildings and in the, on the properties and make sure everything got cleaned up before the properties were turned over to uh, you know private owners or whatever. And I finished all that work and I got bored. So um, one, of the, one of the things I kept finding in the uh, laboratory plumbing systems was mercury. And so uh, I, we found out the mercury was actually coming from chemicals that laboratories routinely use. Mm. And these chemicals are used by the chlorine industry. So, and these same chemicals, as it turns out, because uh, I was asked by the U.S. Geological Survey to do a mercury, uh, mo uh, a mercury cycle uh, model, which I did and presented at their conference. And what I found in preparing for that was the... Uh, this, the, company, this, the companies that were most using these uh, chemicals that, that were produced with mercury and, and had mercury residue in them were the corn refiners and some of the food ingredient companies. So there were trace amounts. We, we decided to investigate uh, high fructose corn syrup in, and found trace amounts of mercury in many of the samples and, and um, so anyway, we were getting ready to publish our findings and the FDA, I, I shared them with the Center for Food Safety and so on. And with my collaborators, I had collaborators outside the agency at a couple of universities and a, another federal agency and everyone ran their own tests and got the same results. And so uh, the uh, FDA Center for Food Safety did not want me to publish these findings. They wanted me to stop, stop the investigation. So anyway, uh, I decided I would have to retire early. Mm. I pursued uh, the line of research so that the public would become informed. So uh, the, I started investigating around 2005, six, and ended up retiring in uh, uh, end of 2007. So uh, did some research, really good research with the Armed Forces Radiobiology Research Institute scientists at uh, Navy uh, Bethesda Hospital. Uh, you know, we just, we found out so much about the role of mercury in Alzheimer's, in, uh, in, in different food uh, uh, products and so on. So uh, it was, it, I just had to retire in, in further the line of research because there was so much that the public needed to learn. 
So the book that I wrote in uh, and published in 2017 is, is the book we're here to talk about today. And uh, this is really uh, uh, the result of all those years of research. And uh, we've published, uh, I, I've led the research and published with collaborators a number of articles in medical journals and, is, and continue to publish and learn uh, that, uh, you know, er, there's so much coming out now, especially from other countries, because they're more invested in not having what we have in the U.S., which is Western uh, diet leads to Western disease. They want to prevent disease more so than the U.S. And so um, they, there's so much uh, coming out now on to support everything that uh, we've we found our findings. And now uh, there's even more interest in the U.S. all of a sudden is starting to become more interested because when everyone else in the world is finding now what's going on in the U.S. is like completely quiet on it, on the issue because of the corporate influence, then, you know, you can only be uh, quiet for so long when there's so much information coming out, you know? Oh, no. What I happens don't... is people don't want to buy our products anymore, you know? They ban, uh, they just don't want to have, you know, we, be, we start falling behind. So you're saying that, or you saw that there were many commonly eaten foods that were actually contaminated with heavy metals. Was it just the high fructose corn syrup or what else was very high in mercury? Well, uh, we did, uh, at the Armed Forces Radiobiology Research Institute, we did uh, sample a whole host of uh, processed foods and we also sampled the same kind of food, but the organic version with a cleaner label. Mm -hmm. And we, uh, mercury was, mercury, we only tested for mercury in that study. And we found mercury was pre present in many of the proce highly processed foods, conventional type foods, uh, whereas uh, not in the organic. So they were using different uh, or, or not using certain ingredients. And then, uh, so it didn't, later on, uh, another group, Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy, they, they studied Foods with first and second ingredient high fructose corn syrup, and they found mercury in a lot of them and published those findings. And Canada followed up and did some uh, studies of food products on their shelves with corn syrup and found mercury in uh, many of those. So uh, it, uh, it was clearly an issue, the mercury. Uh, the FDA is well aware of the residues of lead and other heavy metals. They test the foods and they know that there are residues. In fact, many of the rules uh, and standards that we go by though are codified in our uh, Code of Federal Regulations and they allow uh, certain amounts of heavy metals based on the nature of the food ingredient and how it is made. For example, food colors, five, yellow five, six, and red 40 are examples of foods that uh, are made from petroleum uh, that comes from the ground. And so they, they, there is an expectation that you're gonna have mercury and lead and heavy metal residues. So they have, uh, law that says how much of the mercury, lead, and uh, uh, arsenic can have in the, those uh, food ingredients. And they have to be tested and certified by an independent lab to, uh, so that they, these levels don't exceed a certain amount of allowability. And these, uh, so anyway, these, um, these, these particular food ingredients have been on the market before there was even FDA. So hmm. Our food uh, ingredients that have been around forever, 
And so those particular uh, food colors are now, if you produce a food with those food colors in uh, Europe or the United Kingdom, you have to have a warning label uh, that says, warning, this product contains ingredients known to cause hyperactivity or inattention in children. So, uh, and that's because United Kingdom researchers had done several studies and found this to be true. So anyway, uh, Mexico has recently banned in many of their states the sale of highly processed junk food and sugar-sweetened beverages uh, to uh, individuals under the age of 18. So, you know, it's starting to, uh, different countries are starting to look at the food quality and, and have rules, you know. Uh, we don't have those rules, and consequently, uh, we have a tremendous amount of autism and ADHD compared to other countries, uh, which we talked about in the publication, so more than one publication. So, you know, we, we have these problems, and, and when you have the, the school system is inundated with children that have these difficulties, uh, you know, we're looking at 15% of our kids now are receiving special education services. And some of these uh, conditions that they have can be certainly prevented with proper food and uh, by, uh, you know, proper diet. So, uh, and certainly warning labels on foods containing harmful ingredients would help. Uh, that's already been shown to help in Europe. So, yeah, we, we have some issues here with our food supply that uh, just have not been addressed. So you say that the FDA routinely tests for lead. Is there still, uh, is there unacceptable lead in many of our foods today? Yeah, well, what happens is now they've uh, got a new initiative. Um, I think it's either at CDC, I think, where they are trying to, uh, uh, they're first going to address the baby food the, in the formula because the, there's been contamination problems there. And when the, when the uh, youth are at that stage of development, it's, you know, it couldn't be more harmful. Uh, so they are aware of the problems and they are, you know, trying to figure out ways for manufacturers, excuse me, to, uh, to start addressing these uh, contaminants. But yeah, the, the way the U.S. does things is they, they, they have the manufacturers they, they, they task the manufacturers with doing something voluntarily mm. and uh, with little oversight. And this is the problem there, too. That my biggest beef is, is that they don't provide warnings, you know, labels, warning labels. And they, the public is, in, is not informed. Because we're, you know, I accept the fact that we live in a system where you can sell anything to anybody. Uh, without regard. I mean, look at uh, the pharmaceutical products and you watch commercials on TV and they tell you everything in the <laughs> Yet when you take this product, you wonder well, who the heck would want to take it. Right. We should have uh, similar warnings on the uh, foods in the food supply that are detrimental. So what would a consumer be most surprised at finding was toxic? In other words, can you give me an example of a seemingly healthy food that is actually quite toxic? Well, first of all, uh, nothing is toxic until you have enough of it, until your body has enough of it to bioaccumulate, okay? 
So it, you don't get a toxic effect until you're eating so much of something that your body can't excrete it or metabolize and excrete it fast enough. So you start bioaccumulating. And so I would say uh, in my book, there are many, uh, I have several tables in here, and the book incidentally does have a free online healthy diet tutorial that for every chapter in the book, there are activities and, and uh, uh, you know, uh, like uh, discussion group questions, so it's perfect for a book club. And, uh, you know, like one, uh, one table here co uh, goes over in chapter four, the different food colors and how much arsenic's allowed in, say, blue one, or uh, how much chromium's allowed in blue one, how much uh, arsenic's allowed in yellow six, how much mercury, and so on. Another, uh, I think people might be uh, uh, surprised to learn that the bleach flower is, is, uh, is often uh, bleached with chlorine, which has allowable mercury. There's an allowable amount of mercury in chlorine because the chlorine is made with mercury cell mercury, a mercury cell chloroquine plant. So the, the, the bleached flower products are going to be a source of mercury. Hmm. And one of our clinical trials, we found that the more uh, processed foods you eat, then the higher your inorganic mercury levels in your blood, and that corresponded to higher glucose levels. Mm. So when people eat white foods, you know, white foods, and stay away from the white food, uh, white processed foods for cupcakes and cakes and all this stuff. That's not good for diabetes. Well, one of the you know key key uh, reasons is because you have the mercury residues, and that is what's uh, leading to the. Uh, Elevated glucose, which we actually analyzed the NHANES, uh, CDC's NHANES data with, you know, I forget how many thousands of data, uh, uh, how much data there was, but found the same correlation. In the higher the inorganic mercury in the blood, the higher the fasting glucose. So mm -hmm. that's a problem, a surprise for some of your listeners. Mm -hmm. uh, so you can't talk about, you know, oh, one or two things. You have to uh, really understand the uh, food supply, and that's what my book helps you do. You learn to understand the food supply, supply if you do it in a, like a, a book group, and you, everybody goes through the process together. Every week you read a chapter, you do your activities, your discussion questions, and you do it together. You will uh, change your diet for good. And, and uh, we know that changing diet permanently, changing lifestyle diet, is very difficult. So that's why I urge people to uh, educate themselves and take the time to change their diets and move to healthy. And, um, and then what you'll, you'll have a better outcome in your old age, because a lot of these conditions that we have in old age, Western diet leads to things like heart disease, diabetes, Alzheimer's. You can really, if you start early enough, you can really uh, avoid having some of these conditions in, that make uh, being old so uh, devastating, really. <laughs> so uncomfortable. As my mother used to say, old age ain't for sissies. And, and that's so true. So many of my, my listeners are very aware of, of bleach versus unbleached flour and the detriments of processed foods, but what they're not aware of, and I want you to go into even more detail, is how deleterious mercury is to the system. Can you speak to that a little bit? Well, like I said, uh, first of all, well, mercury and lead, for example, and cadmium, they're called uh, 
toxic and they're heavy metals and they and they're uh, they have no known purpose in our bodies, so they don't do anything for us. And uh, uh, it, every individual is different; their diet is different, and so you might, depending on your uh, metabolism and your diet, how much uh, healthy food you're eating and your magnesium and your calcium intake and all of these things from, from whole foods, then you could uh, weather the storm of having something, uh, a food now and then that has, uh, is going to have the allowable mercury levels. But if you, uh, uh, you know, if you're just eating processed food all the time and you're not looking at having five to seven, uh, whole fruits and vegetables every day, uh, then you're going to be accumulating these heavy metals in your body that are going to lead to neurological impairments and uh, uh, neuropathy, you know, the things that make your body uh, very difficult to, uh, you know, it's no fun being sick when you're old. It's not fun being sick anytime, but it's really hard when you're older. So true. But, you know, coupled with that, I'm thinking of people with mercury fillings, people that eat fish frequently. So you start bioaccumulating a toxic overload. Well, the mercury fillings, uh, one of the, we did a study on olfactory bowl, human olfactory bowl that compared uh, the, the, the olfactory bowl of an Alzheimer patient versus uh, uh, of a patient same age and sex who did not have Alzheimer's. And we found that the person uh, with the Alzheimer's had the, the mercury amalgam then more mercury in their olfactory bulb because every time you chew, you get a release. It goes right straight up to your olfactory bulb. And one of the first symptoms of Alzheimer's is the not being smell. So, uh, uh, the uh, one, one thing that uh, is really good for, for latching on the mercury in the system is selenium because selenium binds to mercury and it's a kind of a natural chelator, if you will. And uh, one food that I include in my diet is Brazil nuts in, uh, because if you, they're the highest known source of selenium. Yeah. So a couple of every day in my smoothie, then, uh, you know, if I do get anything, any mercury, from any uh, source, then that, you know, that kind of, it's, 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 uh, I feel like I'm covering myself, you know, insurance, but um, the uh, fish is not the biggest issue uh, for inorganic mercury. The issue with fish is when you're consuming so much fish and the fish that you are consuming has more mercury in it than selenium. Mm -hmm. So where fish from is uh, is key. Like here in Hawaii, we eat a lot of fish. And our scientists here have looked at the mercury selenium balance in our fish, and they have found that there is, uh, that the fish here, uh, we have our, our, the mercury is bound to the selenium. It's not harmful, you know, to the, to, to the uh, effect that it might be elsewhere. We have, it's a different environment, you know, because it's, it's different. The, the, the fish are, um, you know, have the different issues depending on how they're produced. If they're wild versus farmed, you know, there's all kinds of issues there. What are they being fed if they're farmed? So anyway, fish is a whole different uh, bailiwick. And uh, I, I do encourage people to have uh, wild Alaska salmon 
regularly, once a week at least. And uh, definitely shellfish, shrimp, you know, uh, low level. These are in my book. I have a chart that tells you what are the, the fish and shellfish with the lowest levels of, or zero, you know, very little um, mercury. So we do need the fish that has healthy fat in there. Yeah. So I'm not afraid. And it's just a matter of, uh, you know, eating the right kinds of fish to get the best bang for your buck. So where are people getting lead from, Dr. Dufault? Well, lead comes in, uh, in the, uh, uh, some of the food ingredients, um, allowable levels of lead, like I mentioned, the food colors. And then there are... I know chocolate can be an, a hidden source of lead. Um, chocolate, if it's, if it's an alkali product, you're going to find a little bit of mercury in it, hmm. possibly. Alkali, because alkali implies they're, they're a chloralkali product. So uh, lead is up to 10 parts per million allowed lead in, in netto and beta carotene, caramel, uh, spirulina. Spirulina. Yeah. Oh, how interesting. So, yeah, those are the big ones for the for the lead. And what about so, arsenic? And arsenic is the other biggie, I think, that you write about. Yeah, like I say, some of these ingredients uh, add a lot of, like the food colors. I mean, that arsenic's in the ground. It's a heavy metal. Uh, it comes up with the, uh, you know, and contaminant with the petroleum that they're using. So uh, it's in all the, you know, it's potentially up to three parts per million in the, in the food colors. So uh, it's uh, rice uh, can have arsenic in it, depending on where it's grown. You know, where the food is grown, that brings us to the point of knowing where your food is coming from. And I always try to buy local. And actually, I grow a lot of my own in my garden because I know, you know, it, uh, I know what I'm doing there. So... Uh, you, you know, you want to uh, get as much uh, food locally that's not going to have added uh, chemicals on it to keep it fresh for shelf life. If they have to ship it somewhere, there's all kinds of secret things they can, uh, you know, they can, all, like all the stuff that comes from uh, um, South America is fumigated at the border. People don't know that, but it is. So you can have... <laughs> organic from another country and you'll be fumigated at the border but anyway mm. your 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 best bet is to buy local locally grown and have put in the summer garden and freeze stuff so you know where it came from and uh you know that is your best bet freeze and can going back uh people who prefer to live in the cities uh you know participate in a community garden their cities are now having community gardens and you know, put in the work to do that. You either uh, pay now or pay later. So you <laughs> put in to, to, to have the right food now or later you're going to pay for, you know, for whatever it takes to survive your, your old age, basically. So, so what, do you, uh, what do you do for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? I'm just curious, and I think my listening audience would be. Typical breakfast, lunch, and dinner from a former FDA scientist. Well, I always have a salad every day, and organic 
lettuce, organic, everything. Some of it I get right from my own garden. I grow tomatoes for months. It's always right there from the garden. I have some uh, Chinese broccoli where they'll saute them with uh, garlic and they're marvelous. Uh, so uh, I always have the healthy greens every single day in, in, uh, in the salad or, uh, or if I'm doing a smoothie for a meal. Uh, like this week, I've been using broccoli and I'll have a couple fruits, a banana and maybe strawberries or pineapple and uh, almond milk and uh and a couple brazil nuts and so you know that's really you know i know i'm getting a lot of goods in there uh you can use uh spinach you know i always like to put a dark green in that smoothie so every day there's a, a salad nice healthy and a smoothie uh try to get a smoothie in there and then uh whole you know uh eat an apple Quite a bit of apples, not every day, but you know, I try to eat those apples. Good for roughage. And um, I, in my metabolism, the carbohydrates are, are not good for me. In uh, in that, uh, my body just doesn't it puts on weight. So, even though I do like bread and I love the organic bread, toast and so on, if I eat too much bread, then I'm in trouble. I start gaining weight. So I do stay away from. Uh, the bread and, uh, you know, like, uh, I, I had some pad thai this week and that's noodles, you know, so the staying away from the start, the, the starchy carbs, the, uh, the ice cream, uh, things like that. I need to do that for myself. I do have protein. I love the salmon and the chicken and the, um, uh, and I'll have, I, a couple proteins a day outside of nuts and cause I'm not a vegetarian, but, uh, I don't want to overdo the protein and certainly not the, the red meat. Um, so, uh, breakfast, you know, I'm usually, uh, very flexible on what I eat. It's, I never eat the same thing every day. I mean, it's whatever's, uh, you know, I had some, uh, made some rice with, um, fresh vegetables, kind of like a stir fry. And so that, I like to cook a big pot of something and then eat it over a few days. So, you know, a half a cup of rice and, and have a fry up an egg with that rice and the vegetables is really tasty in the morning for a breakfast. So I can't say I eat the same thing every day because I don't. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't plan my menu. I used to plan it more in advance than I do, but now I just keep the staples in. And I, I keep the staples. And so then, you know, I usually know what I'm going to have available in the next couple of days. But uh, the key is learning which foods to that are okay for your body that you know, and then staying away from the foods that you know are not okay. So everybody's very true. With the carbs. Very true. So where can people purchase unsafe at any meal? Well, it's available on Amazon, and uh, that's, you know, where I get it when I want a copy. <laughs> and um, that would be the place to go. And I would highly recommend using your online healthy diet tutorial with the book in a book study group because you'll, you'll, uh, you'll get more out of it in, in so many ways during this uh, COVID era. And you can do uh, stuff 
group on uh, Zoom, really. Uh, I have, uh, you can do a lot on Zoom. My, I have some cousins that are playing Yahtzee every, every day for the last 200 and some odd days on Zoom. So you could do a book study group on Zoom. And uh, that's what I, the, the website for the nonprofit is www.foodingredient.info. So that's F-O-O-D-I-N-G-R-E-D-I-E-N-T dot info. And that uh, if you go to the top of the webpage, you'll see Healthy Diet Tutorial. You click on that button, and then a whole menu will come down. It'll say Chapter 1, Module module 1, Module 2, Module 3, and so on. So your book is actually a study guide. This isn't just a book, my friends. This is an actual study guide. Yeah, it is a study guide. It was... Uh, uh, we actually ran three clinical trials, online nutrition tutorials, and uh, had different audiences. And uh, they, uh, so a lot of the information, the activities and everything uh, is, has already been uh, successfully done with other groups, like, you know, help people reduce their glucose level, uh, help parents of learning disabled children learn to eat different. So now they, they realize that diet does impact their child's behavior. So... It's been tried and true. That's why I, I recommend it. So, what, so you came out with your, with your book in 2017, am I correct? Correct. So what did, did, you, did you have any blowback from the FDA when the book came out? No, because it's, it's indexed with all these references. I mean, everything I say, uh, if there's so many references in this book that everything I say is... is is the fact science-based fact so there is no blowback you can't you cannot uh i haven't had any uh critical criticism on the book all the reviews there's been many many reviews and they're all really good uh what can you say when you back it up with the with a science-based evidence-based study how, how, how very true that is in most cases. So would you, is there anything you'd like to leave my listeners with, Dr. Dufault, before we say goodbye? Well, um, I guess the main thing is that you are responsible for your own health. And, uh, you know, the sooner you realize that, then uh, the less you rely on others, uh, then the better your outcomes are going to be. As far as, yeah, that would be what my advice. Well, I would agree with you wholeheartedly, and let me thank you for being my guest today. Unsafe at Any Meal, get it on Amazon. Dr. Renee Dufault, thank you so much for being with me today. And thank you, my dear listeners, for tuning in to yet another First Lady of Nutrition podcast. This is Anne Louise Gittleman wishing you a wonderful rest of your week. Be safe, be healthy, be well. Bye-bye for now. Mm-hmm.